0: your heart needs way more than a simple home improvement and it's definitely not a do-it-yourself project what would it look like to give yourself entirely to god and earnestly seek him in every area of your life let god renovate and renew your heart as he makes it his home
1: When I gave my life to Jesus, I told him, Lord, I want this heart of mine to be yours. I want to have you settle down here and make my heart your home. Everything I have belongs to you. Let me show you around. Today, Jesus was waiting for me at the door of my home. An alarming look was in his eye. As I entered, he said to me, There's one particular odor in the house. Something must be dead around here. I think it's in the storage room. As soon as he said this, I knew what he was talking about. There was a storage room that I kept behind lock and key because I had one or two personal things that I did not want anyone to know about. Certainly, I did not want Jesus to see them. I knew they were dead and rotting things left over from my old life, but I wanted them for myself and I was afraid to admit they were there. Reluctantly, I went up with him and as we mounted the stairs, the odor became stronger and stronger. He pointed to the door. I was angry. That's the only way I can put it. I had given him access to the study, the dining room, the living room, the rec room, and now he was asking me about my storage room. I said to myself, this is too much. I'm not going to give him the key. Well, he said, reading my thoughts, if you think I'm going to stay here with the smell, you're mistaken. I will go out to the porch. Then I saw him start to walk away. When one comes to know and love Christ, the worst thing that can happen is to sense him withdrawing his fellowship. I had to give in. I'll give you the key, I said sadly, but you will have to open the closet and clean it out. I don't have the strength to do it. Just give me the key, he said. Authorize me to take care of that closet and I will. With trembling fingers, I passed the key to him. He took it, walked over to the door, opened it, entered, took out all the decaying stuff that was rotting there and threw it away. Then he cleaned the closet and painted it. It was done in a moment's time. Oh, what victory and release to have that dead thing out of my life.
0: My oldest two children were pretty neat. I mean, they were pretty organized. If you went to their bedroom at any given time, it was always pretty immaculate, pretty cleaned up. In fact, my son, if anything was in his room that he didn't really know what to deal with, he would just put it outside his door so we would have to deal with it because he didn't want any clutter, he hates clutter. Our third child, let's just say she was a little different. She was on the other extreme. She really didn't want an organized room, she didn't want a cleaned room, and in fact, every once in a while, her room would get so bad that after her older siblings had moved on to college, she would then migrate to another bedroom. And she would stay there for a while until that room got really bad, and then she'd move on, and we had to put a stop to it. She only got two bedrooms, and then she had to clean. Well, I remember one time, uh, my wife, one of my wife's sisters was coming to visit, and uh, she hadn't been to our house before, and Beth kept warning Katie, Katie, my sister's coming, Your aunt's coming, She's going to walk through your room. Is this how you want it to look? Oh, I'll get to it, Mom. I'll get to it, Mom. Sound familiar? Beth even offered, because it was quite a task, to go in and help her to clean up the room. Oh, I'll get to it, Mom. I'll get to it, Mom. And I remember the day came when her aunt was visiting. And Beth said, you better get up there because she's coming in just a couple of hours. I'll get to it, Mom. I'll get to it, Mom. And I remember about the time she arrived, Katie zipped into her room, and lo and behold, in five minutes, it was clean. Well, I know what she did. And so while Beth was giving her sister a tour of the house, I just happened to walk in when they were walking through Katie's room, and I said, oh, you've got to see how big the closet is. The closet is enormous, and Katie shoots me a look, like, what are you doing? We open up the closet, just like you thought it would be. It was a disaster. She had just taken everything and shoved it into the closet, because she didn't want to deal with it. She didn't want to clean it. Her mom offered to go in and clean it with her, and she just didn't want to deal with it. Now, friends, here's what I want you to glean from this story. This is a metaphor of our lives. We have things in our lives that we just don't want to deal with, and there's lots of reasons for that. It's hard, we're embarrassed, we're ashamed, and so instead of dealing with the issue, we shove it into the storage room or we shove it into a closet and we shut the door And we figure out of sight, out of mind. But that's, as you're going to see this morning, that's actually not true. We hope that nobody will notice it. But the reality is, not only does God know, but often others see it as well. What I found in my life is I'm only as healthy as my secrets. I'm only as healthy spiritually and emotionally as my secrets, as those things that I'm trying to hide, those things I don't want anybody to know is true about me. And friends, I want to tell you this morning, we all have a storage room. We all have that closet. And the reality is, it is affecting our lives spiritually. It is affecting our lives emotionally. It's affecting our lives and our relationships. And God wants to set us free. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Psalm 139. And I'm going to read the first 12 verses, and then I'm going to jump down to the last two verses. And what you're going to, what you're going to see in this is that you cannot hide from God. I cannot hide from God. I might think that nobody knows this is true about me. I might think nobody sees it, but God sees it. And I want you to hear what the psalmist says at the very end. Beginning of verse 1, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, from, uh, in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. If I say surely darkness will hide me and the light become night around me even in the darkness will not be dark even the darkness will not be dark to you the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light for you and then bouncing down to verses 23 and 24 in light of this reality the psalmist says search me god search me god and know my heart Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Will you pray with me? Our Father, as we come to Your Word this morning, as we invite You to teach us, to challenge us, Lord, a sermon like this is very, very challenging, and it's our sinful human nature to push You away. To say, No, Lord, I don't want you in that area of my life. No, Lord, I don't want anybody to know this about me. But God, we understand that freedom does not come from hiding, freedom comes from being known and being loved. And so, Lord, I pray that the power of the gospel would penetrate the darkness of our lives, would shine a light in those places we're hiding, and with your love and grace, we can invite you to come into those very spaces of our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. About 15 years ago, I, was, uh, I came across a, something called the Johari Window, and it's become for me a way to look at my life and to measure how I'm doing spiritually, and how I'm doing emotionally, because my spiritual life touches every aspect of my life, and it's true for you as well. And what I have found is true about me is because of my sinful nature, I have the tendency to want to hide, to hide from God, thinking I can actually hide from God, and to hide from others so that they don't see what's really true and real about me. In a few moments, we're going to talk about why that is. But I want to share with you a picture here. It's called the Johari window. And you'll see in the top left-hand corner, uh, this is the area of my life that people around me know is true about me, and I know is true about me. This is the open area of my life. It's the area of my life I don't try to hide. It's the area of my life where I'm not shoving into a storage room, I'm not shoving into a closet. It's an area of my life where I'm open to God, I'm open to others, I'm open to myself. This is the area where we're healthy. You go to the right and you see the blind spot. That's the part that you see that I don't notice about myself. Have you ever ever had somebody say something to you about who you are, and you're like, that's not true about me, and all of a sudden you start to see that area of your life over and over and over again? That's the part of us that others see, but we don't want to acknowledge. You drop down to the bottom left hand. That's the part of me that others don't know, but I know about myself. This is the area, this is the facade This is the imposter. I don't want you to know this is true for me, about me, so I'm gonna act differently around you. I'm gonna project something about myself that's not true about me. But I don't want, because I don't want you to know that it's true about me. I'm hiding. I'm pushing things into a storage room, into a closet. In a moment, I'll talk about what some of those things are. Bottom right hand corner, those are things that I don't know about myself, and nobody else knows about me. I want you to hear this, friends. When you meet Jesus, when you come to know the power of His grace, the depth of His love, what you find is that open area grows, and it starts to push back the darkness of your life. Those other three areas are all areas of darkness. And what happens is, as the open area grows, it pushes out into these other areas, Now, I don't know how to go there without the forgiveness and the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, because we don't want to be found out. We don't want people to know that we're really an imposter. We don't want people to know what is true about us because we're ashamed, because we're embarrassed. We're afraid that people, if they really knew us, wouldn't like us. Well, here's the reality god knows you better than you know yourself and he says you are my child you are my precious creation i value you so much that i gave my son for you why do we run why do we hide you're only as healthy as your secrets. This morning, we're concluding our series called My Heart Christ Home. And so, I decided I would bring the really big book, My Heart Christ Home. This is it. Look at that. It's like three dollars on Amazon. And it's just this little booklet, and you've been hearing pieces of it in this series. I first read it when I was a young believer. And it gave me a deep and profound understanding of what it means that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Not just my Savior, but He's my Lord. And we're going to see that this morning. He doesn't want part of me. He wants all of me. He doesn't want just the um, part, certain parts of my life. He wants, he wants the closet. He wants the storage room too, He wants all of me. He wants to go in and He wants to clean all the areas of my life and set me free to be what He created me to be. And it's in this little tiny book where that little story is told. It was written back in the 1950s. I want to encourage you, if you don't have this, to, to, to get it and read it periodically. But if you're with us through this series, we began by looking at Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 to 21. And what we saw is that because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, because of the ascension of Christ in the day of Pentecost, which we talked about last week, where the Holy Spirit was sent to live with all, in all who believe, He comes to dwell in our lives, He comes to dwell to live in our hearts, and through that, Jesus comes to minister to us by faith. And the question is, what does it mean that Jesus is in my heart? Well, what we've done is we've divided the heart, and that's what that little booklet does, into different areas of our life, and we keep asking the question, who rules that room of your life? Who is in charge of that room of your life? Is it you? Is it somebody else, or is it the Lord Almighty? Who have I chosen to say, you are Lord of that room? I will follow you. I will submit to you. I will surrender to you. I will let you lead me in my life. Who is the Lord of your life? This is a battle we have every day because of our sinful nature. We want to pull things back. And when we pull things back, we want to hide. Now, when I talk about hiding... What I want to do is just mention a couple of areas that, that are, are those things that we push into the storage room or into the closet. It can be a mistake that we made many years ago, and we're so ashamed. We don't want anybody to know that about us. But friends, the Bible calls us in James to confess our sins to one another. Not saying you tell everybody, but just a small group of believers who will remind you of the grace of God. That mistake that you made many years ago that you continue, you continue to allow to be a storm that just rages over you. That thing when you think about it, you just quickly push it out of your mind because you're so embarrassed and ashamed of what happened. It can be an ongoing sinful struggle in your life. We've mentioned many in this series, and maybe there are some there that you heard, and you said, oh, man, I'll never be free of that. I'm addicted. I'll never be free. That's not true. That's not true. As we read in in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, God has the power to set us free. It might be a resentment or hatred for someone. It might be something of your character anger, lust, impatience, and you think, oh, that's who I'll always be, and you just shove it there, and you try to act like you're really somebody else when those closest to you really know who you are. It might be d- your deepest fears, your deepest desires, and these are things that may be inconsistent with the Lord, and so you're, you just struggle with those areas of your life. We all have them. But the question is, are you going to hide from God Or think you can hide from God? Or are you gonna invite Him today to say, I want you to clean up this area of my life, Lord? I want you to come in, I want you to deal with this, Lord. I need you. So this morning, I want you to see three things that are powerful reminders to us facing shame producing realities of our life. That is the storage room. That's what the storage room is. So, how do we deal with it? Number one, We accept this reality. You are not hiding. You are not hiding. Katie thought she could hide all that stuff in her closet. We knew where it was. God sees where you are pushing and shoving those things. He sees it. He knows it. He knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to say before you even say it. He knows everything there is about you. You're not hiding from Him, and we need to begin by accepting that reality. There is no hiding from God. Listen to what we read in verses 1 to 4. "'You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar.'" You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Not some, not most, all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You cannot hide from God. I remember when, um, and this is kind of an image I think about when I find myself trying to hide. I remember uh, when my uh, two oldest, they're 17 months apart, Scott's the first, then Amy, 17 months apart, and I think Scott was probably about three, and Amy, two at the time, or uh, close to four and close to three. I can't remember exactly, but we were playing hide-and-seek. We were living in Arizona at the time. So it was my turn to find them. So I'm hiding my eyes, and I'm counting real loud. And then when I get to 3,000, I, uh, I go, and, I, and I'm going to find them. Well, I can hear them giggling, and I just follow the giggles. And I walk into Scott's room, and there in the bed are two lumps. (laughs) They pull the blankets over them, because here's what they think. I can't see him, so he can't see us. I think we do that with God. I can't see him with my eyes, so he must not know me. He must not see me. And I think about that image, and I think about me sitting, thinking I'm hiding from God, sitting in a bed with a blanket over my head, thinking, he can't find me. That's us. That's us. We're hiding. Thinking that God doesn't know. The reality is, he knows. We continue on, and we see the second challenge, and that is, where we invite the Lord to reveal the truth about who we are. Friends, this is scary. I know it. You cannot, I don't know how you do this apart from the grace, the mercy, the love and the forgiveness of Christ. I don't know how you do this. It's inviting God to search me. Now listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 23 in the first part of 24. He says, search me God, know my heart, test me, and know my, my anxious thoughts. Now, listen to this. See if there's any offensive way in me. That is a bold prayer. You know what you're saying to God? I'm coming clean. God, I don't want to live with this false reality of who I am. God, I don't want to live in secrets anymore. I don't want to live with secrecy anymore. God, reveal who I am. Search my life. And God, if there's any offensive way in me, would you reveal that to me? That, my friends, is a bold, courageous prayer. That, my friends, is the path, the road to freedom. I cannot be free if I am hiding things. I cannot be I cannot experience the sense of of peace in my life when I'm running and hiding. Search me God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts. If there is any offensive way in me, Lord, reveal that to me. Reveal that to me. If I am not willing to pray that prayer for fear of seeing what is really there, it becomes a barometer of my spiritual health. It becomes an awareness that I am not understanding the grace and the love and the forgiveness of God. I'm hiding, I'm running, I'm pushing things into a closet, into a storage room, thinking if I don't see them, then they're, then they're not really a problem. When friends, the reality is they continue to dog you because you're living a life that isn't true. I don't want to live that way, do you? I don't want to live that way. I want to be authentic. I want to be real. And here's the reality. Until I'm willing to pray this prayer, I cannot deal with the things that God wants to deal with in my life. Unless I'm willing to pray that prayer, I'm saying to God, I am still Lord of my life. I'll let you into this little area and this little area and this little area, but God, the rest of it is mine. Then he is not really my Lord. What what does it look like to give myself fully to God? It means that I'm real with him. And then you don't have to bleed all over everybody, but to have a few people that you can say, you know what? I'm struggling in this area of my life. I'm struggling. Will you pray for me? Will you hold me accountable? Will you walk with me in it? Will you encourage me? Will you share with me? When you pray with, for me, will you share with me what God brings to your heart, to your mind when it comes to His Word? Will you help me? You see, Katie could have had Beth come and help her clean that room. But she wanted to live in the mess because she didn't want to deal with it. It was overwhelming to her. Do you know why she moved to a different bedroom? Because she didn't want to deal with that mess anymore. It was stressing her out. So I'll just go to a new room. We do the same thing. It's a metaphor of our lives We just keep going, and the things in that storage room just keep building up. It's no way to live. It's no way to live. And so, why is this important? Why does it matter? Why do we do this? It's not hard to understand. If you read Genesis chapter 3, which is the great explanation for why the world is the way it is, We see why we do this. When Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, what happened? The Bible says their eyes were opened. They saw the reality of their sin. What what do they do? They hide, right? They hide. They hide from God. Why? Because it says now there is shame. And so they run and they hide from God. The second thing they do is they hide from each other. And they cover themselves because of their shame. And the third thing that they do is they can't take responsibility for their sin. And so the man blames the woman. Well, that hasn't changed, has it? The man blames the woman. The woman blames the serpent. Nobody takes responsibility. Why? Because the shame and stain of sin. Jesus healed the shame and stain of sin on the cross. We have no reason to run and hide. Jesus dealt with that issue on the cross. So now we don't run from God, which is what we read in the book of Hebrews. We no longer run, but with confidence we come into the presence of God, not with our facade, not as an imposter, but as we really are, knowing that God paid the price for all those things in my closet. Now I can deal with them. Now I can face them. And so we come to the final point this morning. And oh, before I do, let me give you this real quick. Sorry about that. So what do we do? I recognize things in my closet. I confess my sin to the Lord. I don't need to run because God's forgiveness is is at hand, as we'll celebrate at the communion table this morning. I'm forgiven by the blood of Christ. I'm forgiven, though I don't need to hide. He not only forgives me, but He deals with the shame and stain of sin. I am free. I am free. And so now I come, and as we read in Psalm 51, another great psalm of confession is Psalm 32. But here, cleanse me with hyssop, O Lord. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. O God, I come before you with these things in my storage room. O God, cleanse me. Wash me, and I will be clean. You hear the confidence of the psalmist, but he doesn't stop there. A lot of people stop here, but he doesn't stop there. Listen to what he says in verse ten. He asks the Lord for the strength to change. God, forgive me now. Change me, and that change has to happen deep within ourselves. That's where God works. Is deep within ourselves. So, he says, created me a clean, a, a pure heart, O oh God. Created me a pure heart, O oh God. So, the next time I come across that temptation, the next time I'm face to face with that issue, O oh Lord, I ask that you would give me a pure heart. So, how I respond will honor you. And then he says, Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit in me. What's a steadfast spirit? A steadfast spirit is a spirit that says, I will not compromise. A steadfast spirit is a spirit that says, I'm not moving. I'm standing right here. I'm standing in the Lord. Renew a steadfast spirit in me. When I confess to the Lord, I always pray, verse verse 10, because I want to, the next time I deal with that issue in my life, I want to stand firm by the power of the Lord. I can't do that on my own. I do it, as we'll see in a moment, in the power of the Lord. So, why does this matter? As I mentioned, secrets aren't good. They're not good. You think that it's keeping you safe. All it's doing is enslaving you. Also, When I stop running, I take responsibility for my relationship with God. When I stop running, I ask the Lord for the strength to change. I can't deal with the issues I'm running from, but God can. And now I can say, Lord, come into this area of my life and set me free. And friends, the third area is my sin doesn't just affect me. It affects the people in my life. And if I'm running and hiding, I'm not taking responsibility for my sin that has hurt often the people that are closest to me. And so I run, and I hide, and I continue to hurt the people that are closest to me. Why? Because I am unwilling to face the reality of who I am. When I am open and allow the Lord to search me, I begin to see How it's impacting my life and the lives of those around me and my relationship with the Lord. I take responsibility with God and I take responsibility for how my sinful nature has hurt others. I may not want to admit that I'm an impatient person. And when I don't see it, I don't see how it affects the people around me. But when I acknowledge it, invite the Lord into it, I'm free. So what do we do about this? What do we do about this? It comes to the third point this morning. And this is is where I invite you this morning to linger coming out of this series. I don't want the Lord to have part of my life. I want him to be Lord over every aspect of my life. On your seats this morning, you see a little sheet And if you didn't have, I think they're on every other seat. And if you have to look on with another person, or if you have to slide over and grab one that's on an empty seat. But this is an invitation. I want you to hear these verses. I love this. The psalmist says, see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. See, he doesn't say, okay, just let me know about any offensive ways in me. And I'll confess them. he says, no, 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 lead me. I will follow. Lead me, Lord, as you reveal these things, lead me and I will follow and you will take me to the place where I need to go and where you want me to go and really the place I want to be. So he doesn't just stop with, reveal it to me. He's saying, now, Lord, lead me in light of these things that you have revealed to me to the life to the way everlasting, and that way everlasting begins, begins the moment we accept Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. Surrender your life fully, and let me just read to you a couple of verses that talk about this. I love this from Jeremiah. Lord, I I know that people's lives are not their own. It's not for them to direct their steps. You ever thought about that? I know that people's lives are not their own. I think most Christians think that their life is theirs. It's not what the Bible teaches. Rather, it is not for us to direct our ways. It is for the Lord to direct our ways. We read on and I love, always love this passage. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body In this body, I live by faith, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's not I who live now. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. The old dawn is dead. And what God intended me to be is coming to life as I surrender myself fully to Him. And then finally, where we began, I pray out of His glorious riches, the overflowing riches of our Lord. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, in your heart, in your mind, in your life, because all your decisions come from this, the heart and the head. He says, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Why? So that Christ may live. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That He may rule in your hearts through faith. That He's no longer a guest in your life. But He is Lord of your life. He is no longer somebody that you invite into your your life to be in this corner, to stay in that bedroom... But he is the one who has the deed to your life. He is the one who has the key to your heart. He is the one who reigns and rules over you. So here's what I want you to do. On that little card that you have, looks like this. There lists all the different rooms. I want you to take a moment. And I want you to reflect, as you've gone through this series, and we give you a little summary of each, each room, I want you to think about, Lord, this is a room that I want to invite you into in a very special way to clean. See, Katie made a big mistake. Mama would have helped her clean the room, but she said no. And Katie never had the power to do it on her own. We need the power of the Lord. I can't clean these rooms, the Lord can. And then on the bottom, I'm gonna give you just a couple minutes of silence before I pray. Today I choose for the first time to invite Jesus to be Lord and King over every area of my heart and life. Have you ever made that decision? Jesus didn't come just to be your savior. He came to be your savior and your Lord, to rule and reign over every area of your life. And then second, today, today, I choose to recommit myself to the truth that Jesus is to be Lord and King over every area of my heart and life. Would you take a moment and would you just reflect on those questions? And then I'll close us in prayer. lord i don't know if there's any more profound challenge than the challenge to ask you to come to search our hearts and to reveal what is really there oh god our prayer this morning is for each and every person here help us with that battle we have been so trained to create a facade to hide But Lord, we don't want to live that way. We want to live in the strength of the Lord, in the power of the Lord. Lives that are marked by freedom. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.